0: Welcome to the Smart Connector podcast, which helps entrepreneurs generate more impact, wealth and success, attract others for all the right reasons and become a Smart Connector, the architect of your amazing business and life. This podcast is sponsored by Virtual Non-Execs, the world's number one peer-to-peer board advisor community, which connects thousands of investors, entrepreneurs and advisors globally. Welcome to the Smart Connector Podcast. I have some really exciting guests for you today. So Elliot and Dominic Chapman of Chapman Capital are here. Welcome, Elliot and Dominic. Thank, Thank you, Jane. Good evening. How are you? I'm very well. And it's very exciting for me to have two guests here rather than one. And you're brothers, aren't you?
1: We are yeah, by choice. Yeah.
0: Brothers. <laughs> yes.
2: We are brothers.
0: Yeah. yeah. So so Elliot and Dominic have taken the entrepreneurial world by storm over the last few years through building a group of successful agencies through a combination of organic growth and strategic acquisitions. And they each have incredible entrepreneurial stories individually, which we're going to look at before we talk about how they came together to build their business empire. And we're going to also talk about what it actually takes to build an agency group today. So welcome. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is agencies, marketing agencies, marketing agency growth, all of that kind of thing. So I just can't wait to get into it.
2: Very exciting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with you, Elliot. So would you like to talk about your journey, how you actually came here and what you were doing beforehand?
2: Sure. So I left college in the UK, which is at 18. And like a lot of people, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I decided to go into coaching, coaching football, which was the only real thing that I enjoyed doing at 18. So it was perfect for me and quite quickly got given the opportunity, got given the opportunity to actually run the whole coaching school which at 18, about to turn 19, was an unbelievable opportunity. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. I was really just learning on the job. But fast forward two years, I was able to grow that to the number one regional coaching school in the UK, which is really exciting. And at that point at 21, or just before I was 21, I think, I was headhunted to, to do the same on a national level out in the US, which as a 21-year-old with... Nothing really to tie you down was an opportunity that I would urge anybody to go and do. I did that for a year and came back as 22 year old again, not really knowing what to do. We had a family business, or our dad was involved in a business, which was an IT management consultancy, and he offered us the opportunity, or offered me the opportunity to go and work with him, which I politely declined at the first ask. (laughs) He then asked again in sort of a couple of weeks later, two or three weeks later, and. I decided to to say, yes, I thought, let's just have a go over the sort of the course of four or five years, I helped grow that business from two and a half mil turnover to just over five mil turnover. And it was in that period where Dom and I were actually sharing an office and I'll transition over to Dom because then our stories will somewhat tie up, but we were working together and facing the similar challenges of how to grow a business, how to grow a company and we started working together and accidentally formed our first agency together. So I'll transition nicely into Dom.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Before we get into that, uh, something that I would like to just touch on is this thing about family businesses, because you joined your family business effectively, and then you and Dom, you were both in the family business. So obviously, I want to hear about Dom's background and his, how he came to do all of this as well. But how did you find working in your, your father's business, a family business, and how was it for you, Elliot? Was it good? Was it exciting? Was it challenging?
2: All of the above. Like with any business and any relationship, there are good times and there are challenging times. I think what, in my experience, we're very close to, to our dad, we're very close to all of our family. In my experience, having those difficult conversations are easier with family members because, you know, you've literally you've known them all their life. You know how to deliver the good news, but you also know how to deliver the bad news. And for me, it made the harder times easier um, knowing how to deliver that news in a particular way. So in to summarize the experience of working for your dad or for my dad, I learned a hell of a lot. I enjoyed it, but I just think my time, I needed to do my own thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I understand. And I suppose really the quality of the relationship is whether it's with a family member or whether it's with somebody else that you're working with is always paramount. So if you've got a good relationship with the people in your family, then it's going to make it easier. If you have a difficult relationship already, then it's going to be amplified, isn't it? I guess that's probably the answer. Yeah. Okay. Well, on to Dom. We've got Elliot, our Facebook user says, Elliot Dom, thanks for starting your agency accidentally. Love it. So that's great. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> yeah. So, so Dom, tell us about you and how you got into this.
1: Yeah. So similar to Elle, left college not knowing what I sort of wanted to do. Had the opportunity to go work at Specsavers as a, in an internship. That internship turned into a, sort of a full-time role where my role sort of blended commercial and innovation. One of the responsibilities there was sort of to launch the innovation function within Specsavers. And what that meant is I would go and talk to all of the sort of business partners at Specsavers, ask them what their problems were and see if we could solve them with technology. So one of the things that came out of that was, a hair care app. So within most Specsaima stores, they now do hair care. So within 24 hours, we did something called a hackathon, which is we got developers, marketeers, business partners in the room, and we built the sort of proof of concepts of an app, which is now in all the stores today. Wow! So went and did that. I was 19, 20 at the time probably hence why I convinced a load of 40 year old developers to stay up for 24 hours, and sort of code with me, not known. I wouldn't do that now, my <laughs> old age, but at 19, uh, I, I was keen to do stuff like that. So I did that for a year and a half and then went out and sort of started my first business, which was a sort of design agency where I was doing prototypes uh, of apps for people that, that that sort of naturally progressed into a tech platform. So the same team, we built a, a technology platform for both recruitment agencies and internal recruiters. So this was sort of 2016, 2017, way before Zoom was a, a sort of a big thing. Face-to-face interviews were still a big thing. So we launched an on-demand video interview platform. So you send a link out to three, 400 um, candidates and they can go and do a video in their own time. So. Launched that, raised money, scaled that. We worked with the likes of Shazam, Secret Escapes, Tommy Hilfiger. So we were supporting them on their recruitment drives, which was great. I then exited that in 2019. But as Ellen alluded to, we were sharing an office at the time down in Bournemouth. And every morning we'd get in early, play ping pong for an hour. And we would just talk (laughs) through... Yeah, the important stuff. And just talk through the issues and the issue that kept on coming up for probably the first six months was sort of struggling to network, struggling to grow, struggling to get new business meetings. So within, you know, using both StemX and SCN as guinea pigs, we, we basically built this lead generation engine, which allowed both the businesses to grow. And then that formed our first agency.
0: Amazing. Well, that is such a fantastic story. That's great. It's uh, amazing. You know, you brothers, you know, often you get people in a family that are, you know, they have very uneven trajectories. You get the successful one and the unsuccessful one and the striver and the lazy one and all the rest of it. But you guys, you know, you're both very dynamic, aren't you?
2: It does work. And I, what I would say is, I think all those things that you've just listed off, Dom and I, are, are all of those probably <laughs> rolled into one at different times. But I, the relationship and particularly being brothers, it does work. And knowing what each other's skill sets are, knowing what each other's sort of strengths and weaknesses are, it really does help align with everything that you're doing. You know, Dom and I, not often will we not see eye to eye on a particular decision. But if we do, we'll both present our cases. You leave your ego at the door. And if Dom is staunchly defending, you know, whatever it is, the topic, if he's really defending something passionately, then I know he's doing it for the good of what we are trying to build. So it it really does work. But we are definitely all of those terms that you listed off.
0: Yeah, well, well, they say that all humans have every trait, right? So, (laughs) So yes, we can be wonderful and amazing. And we can also be obviously terrible. Terrible and <laughs> difficult and all the rest of it, yes. Okay, well, well, that's really good to know. So let's go on to this, this idea of an agency group because as most of my listeners or regular audience will know, I was part of an agency group as well. So I was running an independent agency, which was in fact a design agency that we scaled from one to six million and sold to a U.S. communications group called Interpublic. And then we merged with a brand consultancy called Future Brand and I became an MD within the Future Brand silo, as it were. So I've been on that path and on that journey and actually managed that process myself. So this is a very interesting conversation for me because, you know, I just love to hear this was a while back that that this happened and I'd love to hear what a modern agency model looks like because, you know, you're on that journey already. I think you've acquired six agencies. Is that right?
2: So we've completed the full acquisition of one agency and we have made investments into five others with a view to some of them complete the acquisition further down the line. Others, it will remain as a minority investment. So yeah, we're well and truly on the journey.
0: That's absolutely amazing. So what gave you the idea of actually building an agency group as opposed to just scaling your own business and then maybe selling it or, you know, yeah. merging with another organization?
2: So uh, a couple of things that happened over the, I guess, the course of a couple of years. So it's not something that has sort of struck and it's happened overnight. So yeah. a couple of years ago, back end of 2020, it started 2021, we were under offer we our first agency called social chaps we were approached by a vc firm um, or private equity rather the private equity firm putting an offer they tried to acquire social chaps and we were sort of going down that journey truthfully at that point we probably not really thought about an exit as such we were still so early on in our journey yep however when somebody flashes some big numbers in front of your eyes i anybody will turn their head and somewhat entertain the conversation, even yeah. though the wasn't ready. And I think if Dom and I look back and reflect with honesty, we weren't ready either. Mm-hmm. So we went, ended up going down that journey. It didn't materialize because it wasn't the right thing for us at the time. However, it yeah. did slightly whet our appetite into what we could potentially achieve either by yeah. an exit or could we potentially do this ourselves? Yep. Fast forward 12 months and we were generating, so Social Chaps is a lead generation agency and we were generating really strong and healthy pipelines for our clients. Yep. A couple of, the, a couple of our clients had pipelines in excess of a million pounds and yep. we sat down and we, we run a retainer model between two and four thousand pound a month. Yeah. What we realized is we were actually potentially leaving quite a bit of money on the table by generating these huge pipelines for our clients, is there another model? Is there something yeah. that we could do? Yeah. And that entered the, that then sort of kick-started the, uh, the ball rolling with, okay, why don't we try and acquire an agency? And that was this time last year, sort of July, August of, of last year. We met a chap called Gellin Watt, who is still an advisor to both Dom and I and Chapman Capital. And he's really helped us sort of put the wheels in motion and, and pushed us down the road, I would say.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's great. And it's really important, I think, when you're on your journey to have people who've been there and done that and, you know, that kind of wise, experienced kind of head on their shoulders, because mm-hmm. we don't know what we don't know, right?
2: And Dom will dive in here. But honestly, this time last year, we had no idea how to acquire an agency, how to invest into another agency. We were very much going into this blind. And I think that's Kind of mine and Dom's attitude is just if if you're gonna do it and just sort of learn on the job, job. wing it slightly, and that's what we're doing. (laughs) We're no, we're certainly not experts by any stretch of the imagination, but what we have done is we've built a good, a good model for ourselves, and we're on that journey.
0: Yeah, which is fantastic, and you know that is the entrepreneurial, the true entrepreneurial spirit, really, isn't it? That you know, start now, get perfect later, as one of my mentors used to say. I like that. And uh, yeah, exactly. I always think about that. Whenever I'm doing something new and I'm floundering a little bit, I think, you, you know what, just get it out, get it done. You know, just, just muddle your way through because there's no doubt about it that the second attempt is going to be better, right?
1: Yeah. And also no one cares as much as you, you, you know, if you put <laughs> something out there, guarantee you no one's going to know it's like a small mistake or you know a little thing that's gone wrong it's always in your own head I find
0: it is yes Mm. definitely so Dom you know what I wanted to ask is whether you and Elliot sort of wear very different hats or whether you are more fluid in terms of your roles no
1: it's, it's very separated and I think the way we work we're very aligned on sort of how the business is run how you know how things should be but we very much split our roles. L is very much sort of commercial and sales driven, whereas I look after and, and a lot closer to the delivery, the lead, sort of lead generation and marketing of the businesses. Yeah. Uh, so it allows us to have sort of clear headspace. We've both just been on holiday for sort of 10 days each for the first time in a long time, and we both had to dip into each other's roles and we realized quite how much we separate. That's just been a natural thing, I think, over the years. But yeah, we met wear very different hat, and I think that's the only way you can get to the stage where we are at by doing different roles and, and being clear and defined on those as well.
0: Definitely. And I remember, you know, when I had the design agency, it wasn't actually my design agency. I came in as an equity partner and managing director, but I wasn't one of the founders of the agency. And the reason why I came in was because the there were two partners and they'd had this massive falling out and one of them had run off to the US. And what was really at the heart, yes, it was very ugly, I have to (laughs) say. messy. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. One of them had gone to to work for a rival company. So can you imagine? And obviously, he was still a shareholder in this uh, business. So he was a 50% shareholder before, obviously, that was all dealt with. So it was uh, very messy and very ugly. But the primary problem was that they both did the same thing. And mm. that is, you know, he's no good really, because when you're running a business, we need those complementary skill sets, don't we? In order for it, you know, just to make things work.
2: I think you've actually summarized it perfectly. And we've seen this with uh, a couple of companies that we've spoken about acquiring where you've got two founders who both do near enough, the same thing. And in my opinion, that will get you so far yeah. you know there, there can still be success, but in yes. my opinion, there will be a limit because you have to have a well-rounded team. And if you are both doing the same thing, you're going to, you're going to clash. You're going to essentially butt heads. I think where Dom and I work quite well is you've got vision where we're aligned. We know exactly, you know, we're pulling in the same direction. There is no way in hell I'm going to be giving Dom advice on how to do lead gen or something on a tech because I don't know enough about it. So why would I? And likewise, Dom's not going to dip into my world on anything finance, ops or sales because they are completely separated. Yeah, We both know enough about what is going on, but I'm not going to do Dom's role and, and Dom's not going to do my role.
1: And uh, yeah. I know that Dom would no. not want to do my role and vice no. versa. Yeah. I glaze over when you start talking about finance, but going back to sort of two founders, it's interesting. I think a lot of agency founders, they sort of sort of fall into being an agency. They start off as mm. maybe freelancers and you know maybe two people that are good freelancers and then it's referrals. And then before you know it, you've got six or seven staff or 10 staff and you're not doing the job anymore. You're, you're doing something you're not enjoying and you've just fallen into this sort of little boutique agency. And not really thought things through, or thought about how to get from one to ten employees, ten to twenty, and and so on. And it's completely, it's a completely different business at every stage. And I think a lot of agency founders or specialist founders um, do that. Yeah.
0: Well, I think they do. So I'm going to ask, you know, the two of you, whoever wants to answer this. But in terms of the businesses that you're looking to acquire or buy a stake in, what is, the, what is the most important thing that you look for first? Don, sure. <clears throat> yeah, so
1: a couple of things. Size of business is important. We, in terms of an acquisition, we like to acquire businesses where they're about 700 to 1.2 million. Mm-hmm. And in terms of investment, I think we can go slightly lower. And and what we're really good at supporting with is driving through that a million pound barrier. Yeah. Uh, So some of the investments we've done have been slightly smaller agencies and we're supporting on that growth from a commercial point of view. So one of the hardest things for an agency is breaking through that million pounds. Yeah. Uh, So those investments are doing that with those agencies. And then the other side of it is we don't want to get involved in fixed delivery or, you know. So the delivery and the brand has to be sort of in a good place where it's ready to scale and grow. El, you said one more thing, I think, which was around digital agencies. So, you know, so far, we've, it's all been around sort of digital digital agencies.
2: He, yeah. The only thing I'd add to that, sorry, Jane, is one thing that Dom didn't mention, they've focused a lot on the business. One thing that Dom didn't mention is the actual founders or the owners themselves, mm. which is actually a huge part because ultimately our time's limited and you want to work with people who are good to be around, fun to be around, who you get on with. So we do, as part of the due diligence, we do spend quite a bit of time in getting to know the founders Mm. and really understanding what are their objectives? What are their drivers? Why are we even having this conversation? Mm. Because at the very start, when you're talking about acquiring an agency, you, the founder or the owner will think it's about money. And as soon as that objective of, okay, that's fine, that's the easy part, the harder part now is the integration and the actual driving a deal, it is all human skills. Yeah, there is Honestly, there is not a lot of art in driving an acquisition, in my opinion. It is managing expectations and managing a number of different people that are involved. And it's hard because... We spoke so. about this last week, Dom. A lot of agency owners and founders will refer to their businesses as babies. So if yeah. you imagine trying to part with a family member, or a, it's a big deal. It's, and yeah, it's, it's emotional. And emotional, really emotional.
0: Yeah, and I think there's also a big cultural component. And I certainly know for us, when we were acquired, we were very much a boutique agency. Whatever that mm-hmm. means, okay, that was how we identify with very creative business. And I had certainly, well, all of us had got used to a lot of freedom really in terms of, you know, how, what we prioritized and how we ran the business. And to be honest, nobody was really challenging us because, you know, we were making a lot of money, we were doing really well. So that was obviously what brought us to the attention of these communications groups who were actually vying to buy the business. But when it actually came down to it, uh, ultimately, it was the decision of the founder, and he didn't choose the company with the put the most money on the table. He actually chose the company that he felt would be most aligned with the values of the business. Amazing. Yes. Well, it sounds amazing. Actually, when it really came down to it, and when we had been acquired, that thing about culture really reared its ugly head. And Mm. it was, I think there's a whole process that has to happen after any acquisition of actually managing that process of change, because inevitably you're introducing new people into the mix, people that do their own things in their own way. And, you know, you're not going to be buying into somebody that is exactly the same as you. So I'm really interested to know how you manage that process.
2: Yeah, it's a very Um, good question. In quite a lot of detail, Jane, actually. And it was actually something that we... So I'll I'll talk about the full acquisition that we've done as the live example. As part of the negotiation stage, the first 90 days were almost part of the negotiation. It's this is what we're going to do. Because take a step back, you also have to sell the founders and the owners that they what they're going to essentially be giving away Yeah, is going to be in good hands. Yes. So... We heavily prioritized the first 90 days and the the challenges that we had were huge uncertainty. This company is spread all over the world. You've got completely different cultures and they've got two English brothers who they've seen online, probably saying the F word way too many times and a little (laughs) bit fearful on about what's going to happen. There's fear around their jobs. There's fear around what's going to happen. So. Straight away, we had to come in and put everybody at ease. That was mission number one. So everybody's job is safe. We are here to align to you, not you to us. We're here to help. We're here to support. And then essentially sell the vision of what are we trying to do with this company? This is yeah. where we are today. And this is where we want to be in, in three months. And this is where we want to be in, in six months. And this is where we want to be in 12 months. And then we presented a roadmap of exactly how we're going to be there. And the key thing is that we had to then execute on that roadmap to then get yeah. our trust. So yep. we set achievable goals for the first 90 days that Dom and I knew we could hit. Or, well, that's not true. We didn't know we could hit them, but we were confident we Con- could hit them. Yeah. And that essentially bought us the trust of 16 team members that a couple of months ago didn't have a clue that we existed. But it's a tough process. It is a, it's a hard process.
1: One of the key things we did right at the start was just, you know, have a one-to-one with all the team members and sort of get to know them. Obviously, if it's a bigger acquisition, sometimes that can't happen. But whilst it's small and, you know, 16 one-to-ones, yes, it's painful over two, three days in terms of a lot of meetings. I think that was one of the most important things we could have done to sort of build that initial rapport and, you know, let them know we're we're also human. It's not just, you know, some financiers behind a screen.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, you're so right. So much of it is about communication and it's also about caring, really, isn't it? Fundamentally.
2: Yeah, a lot of like Donna said, it's just showing that we're visible. Like, you yeah. know, they've all got The reality is, strip away the work, they get paid a paycheck at the end of every single month. They've got mm-hmm. families, they've got kids, they've got houses, they've got stuff that they want to do. That was a lot of people's primary concern. The yeah. second was that we weren't going to rip up the culture because the culture is, was, and is fantastic. Yeah. And it's, it was just that reassurance that, listen, this is what we're saying now. If at any point in the next three months you are worried, book a call in, we'll speak to you, we'll rest, we'll put all of those concerns at ease as best we possibly can. And I feel like we did a fairly good job at, at doing that.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Really good. And very heartwarming actually, because I don't necessarily feel I, I always like like get scared because I you know, you have to sign all these NDAs. So I, I feel I like oh I can't say this and I can't say that. But let's just say I feel as though that process could have been managed a little bit better, you yeah. know, in terms of our acquisition, because it was like all of a sudden one day we had a business that everybody understood and kind of made sense, and then all of a sudden we were being dictated to by these uh, faceless people. And it was all about the money, all about yep. the money and nothing else really mattered. It's, I, I it's, think, yeah, <laughs> it,
2: it's so hard to do. It, it is similar to, a, to any deal really, but it is so hard to, to get a deal right. For Dom and I refer to this all the time. So much of it comes back to your gut feel is the intention and the gut feel sat right. Yeah, There is something to say for following your gut.
0: Definitely. I mean, intuition is huge, really, isn't it? Mm. And, you know, you see some of the, uh, you know, some of the biggest and the most successful entrepreneurs in the world will say that. And in fact, I have something, I did a screenshot. I'm going to see if I can find it on my phone. Have you heard of Alex Hormozy? Yeah, yeah. You know who he is? Okay. So I'm just going to read. I saw a post of his and I've got it on my phone. It says, the best thing I ever did was not listen to other people about what I should do with my life. Most people don't want the best version of you. They want the version of you that best serves them. When someone has no context on your life and gives advice, they're not talking to you. They're talking to themselves. And I think that was quite profound, really. It's a very good argument, really, of why we should listen to ourselves first. Yeah,
2: completely agree and it, I think to me what that said was being really careful with who you surround yourself with
0: Yep. yeah
2: you know if you're we, Dom and I are very careful with our circle yeah and we try and align very ourselves important. to people who are aligned to our core values which underpins everything that we're doing
0: yeah amazing. amazing well you know you guys are going to be the next Alex Hormosey aren't you with your <laughs> Dom's got the hair for it acquisition.com 100 million offers and all the rest of it yeah it's like oh. <laughs> uh, we'll have to tag him in the uh, have to tag him in the interview <laughs> okay right so the now the other thing that i think is kind of interesting and i'd like to kind of touch on is this thing about process because you said that you don't fix the process and i think this is very um, important and I think for me, obviously having run agencies, I know that a lot of agencies might prioritize their customer acquisition, obviously. And you understand why they would do that because, you know, clients are the lifeblood of any agency. All agencies need clients, right? To survive, to grow and all the rest of it. But the main reason why clients leave agencies is because they are not happy with the service that they provide. And that is to do with process, isn't it? So uh, to me, when you said that, I thought, well, that's right that you look at process and you really scrutinize it and you actually say, okay, is this, does this need fixing? And if no, that's a green light. So I'd just like to, you know, touch on that briefly.
1: Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. And one thing, obviously, we we try not to sort of go to agencies that have. sort of not delivering, I guess, and, and we would never touch that. The beauty as we grow and we have, you know, we now have that knowledge of six agencies is we can share that knowledge and, and take best practices across the board. Yeah. So I think there's that element of it, but yeah, during that due diligence process at the start is one thing that we really probably drill down on the most, which is sort of, are you delivering on clients? Are they happy? And sometimes it is difficult during that due diligence process because one, they're protecting their clients, they're protecting their staff. They don't want people to know. So there is things, you know, there is things that you can do to do that. I think we did like as an NPR school sort of school with clients and with employees and almost came in as consultants to sort of make sure that, you know, what the founders were saying was aligned to actually what the staff are saying and what the clients were saying. Because a lot of the time, you know, the founder is gonna say what they have to say to to get a deal over the line. Once they've got it in their head that they wanna sell the agency, I think they will, you know, they'll do anything (laughs) they can to sell it. And also it's the it's that founder's sort of positive mindset of thinking that it's all rosy, but when you speak when you speak to the team and the people who are on the sort of on the floor, on the grounds, it's a completely different different conversation. So trying to figure out a way during that due diligence process and, you know, speaking to some clients and for us, like simple things, like, you know, signing up through the website, you know, booking in a sales call and seeing how that process runs, they're all really interesting and sort of telltale signs of how that agency is run. So yeah, process is important. Just on that, Jane,
2: just quickly, one of the tests that Dom does that he didn't mention there is, and this is a real good test for any agency and the quality of work that they then turn out is the quality of their knowledge bank. So how well documented are their SOPs? How well documented are their procedures, their handbooks? You can see, I think is a real good test of the quality of output of an agency is how well documented their internal processes are. Mm. So. That's one of the first things we ask, and one of the first things we look to see once we're sort of through, or once we're into due diligence. Yep, is show us your operating model. Yeah, and for for example, the company that we fully acquired, it was exceptional. It was exceptional, very process driven, very heavily documented, and that then shows in the quality of output. So it's one of the first things that we ask to see is show us your SOPs, show us your knowledge bank, wherever it is, whether it's in Notion, whether it's in just a Google Drive, that's a good test.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And probably your background with an in your family business, the IT management consultancy has obviously shown you the importance of that as well, I would have thought.
2: Yeah, the good and the bad. Yeah. Um, going in and, and fixing, well, I'm working with Huge companies, like publicly traded companies, some of the biggest companies in, in the UK, it is staggering what things they do well and also what things they do badly.
0: Yeah. And, you know, look, no no business is perfect, are they, right? I mean, there, there's all, always going to be problems. And in a way, I think what makes the path of entrepreneurship exciting is that there's always something to do, right? There's always something to fix. Life is never boring, right? We're
2: glorified firefighters.
0: every week there's a
2: new fire that he's putting out
0: yeah that's right oh so okay so i mean guys what is next for you what's your plan for the next we say one to three years
2: yeah so for second half ish of this year going into sort of back in the q2 q3 q4 we will probably do one or two minority investments and one potentially one outright um, acquisition, which we're working through at the moment. And then I would quite like to maybe put a pause on things. That'll be eight investments or seven investments into acquisitions in a year. I wouldn't mind not doing one for a little while and just focusing on our here and now. consolidating. and it's it's absolutely, the mm. and that, that has to be our core focus for the next two to three years, which is aggressively driving growth, which we're doing really well and then seeing what's next. We either sit on the portfolio or we try and drive an exit.
0: Yeah, amazing. Because, of course, exits really, I mean, look, with agencies, I think everybody in the agency world that I worked in was obsessed with the concept of exits because that's what we all do it for, really, right? We build something. We don't mind working really hard. But, of course, the the great hope is that we're going to build something that is of such value. That we are just going to, you know, exit rich and have an amazing time, and then pick ourselves up and go all over again, right? That's what people like to do.
2: That's the that's a nice thought. You could be like Dom and just dotting around Europe, being the digital nomad. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Dom,
0: you're in you're in <laughs> Cyprus right now, aren't you? I forgot to say that. Yeah, we are in Cyprus at the moment. Yeah, I am actually
1: looking forward to coming home. It's too uh-huh. hot. Too yeah. hot
0: me. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so guys, if we've got agencies listening into this and if they think, do you know what, this sounds really interesting. Maybe these guys would like to acquire me or a stake in my agency or whatever. What would they actually gain from joining your network?
2: Great question. So we've got within our portfolio, we've got some unbelievable, not only unbelievable companies, but unbelievable founders who are Highly successful, very successful. What you'd get from Dom and I is two two investors who genuinely understand agencies, and most people within the agency space, particularly as investors, don't necessarily understand the the challenges and the nuances that are involved in actually running an agency. So we come at it from a place of empathy because we understand how blimmin' hard it is to actually grow an agency. Yeah. So we also, on top of that, we take away a lot of the burden of growing the agency. So we will sit down with you and understand where do you want to get it, try and assist you on all of those challenges. So actually unburden you with those challenges and focus on driving growth.
0: Amazing. And, you know, who wouldn't want that? That is absolutely fantastic. Rather than just saying, okay, right, we've done the acquisition. It's over to you.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And one of the things we haven't quite touched on is the actual... Almost the morning that agency founders go through once they've sold an agency, you know, they are, and you can experience this, you sort of slightly touched on it where the challenge with the cultural, the cultural challenges with the comms agency, it's a strange place. Once you've sold your agency, it's a really weird place and you have to be somewhat sensitive to that because again, they're a human being and you have no idea what emotions they're going through. And you have to also support them in that process that we're essentially living in your house that you then don't own anymore. Yeah. But it used to be yours and we're now either redecorating the house or putting our own stamp on it. It's a really strange process.
0: Yeah, that's a great analogy. And you're absolutely right. You know, yeah, you've you've had a nice little house that's been your home. And then all of a sudden, these people have have come in. They, well, I love it. You know, they have bought your house. They've moved in. There they are at your dinner table every night. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Voice of menu. Exactly.
2: You yeah. must eat this.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. I know that you like steak, but you know, no, we're vegetarians. So <laughs> yeah. It's exactly. it's, a,
2: it's a complex process. Yeah. it's It is a it is a complex yes. process.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, look, it's been such an amazing um, opportunity to have you guys here with us. And thank you so much for sharing your incredible journey. It's really exciting what you're doing. And I'm so glad that you were able to share it with our viewers and listeners. And we've got lots of engagement as well. So I think it's a topic amazing. that's of a lot of interest to a lot of people. So if, if people want to uh, connect with you, what's the best way they can?
2: Yep. So you can. I was about to say you can connect with us both on LinkedIn, but you can connect with me on LinkedIn, which is Elliot Chapman. If anybody from LinkedIn is listening, can you please give Dom Chapman's account back, and then you will be able to connect with Dom Chapman yeah. on LinkedIn, or <laughs> drop us an email at Elliot at Chapman dot Capital
0: Okay. Well, guys, you know, once again, thank you so much. It's been an absolutely amazing interview. Really lovely to see you and look forward to releasing the full episode on the podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for having us.
1: Thank you, James. Bye-bye.
0: Jane Bader is the Smart Connector, a London-based, passionate, serial entrepreneur, brand marketer and business growth exploder who helps overlooked and undervalued consultants and sector experts generate consistent, scalable revenues through becoming the go-to choice of their dream clients. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate you liking, rating and reviewing the podcast on the platform you've heard it on. And check out the links in the show notes if you'd like to connect with Jane or any of her guests in person. Thank you for listening and come back soon.